Hey guys, what's up? It's me, Navy. It's been a while, I know. Um, we're going to start reading this book. So it's called um, Nevermore the Trials of Morrigan Crow by Jessica Townsend. Uh, I'm on chapter four and I would start from the beginning, but I've got to read this book by Wednesday for English. So we're just going to start. Um, if there's like talking, it's because I'm sitting in the lounge room, not in a room. Um, so yeah, let's start. Chapter 4 The Hunt of Smoke and Shadow Through the sparse woodland and over the crest on the hill, a dark, shapeless form approached Crow Manor. To Morrigan, it looked like a swarm of locusts or a cloud of bats, but it was too low and loud to be either. The sound of hooves became deafening as a dark mass grew closer. Amongst the black were hundreds of specks of fiery red light getting brighter by the second. The atmosphere... What? The Amos figure began to shape, began to take shape. Heads and faces and legs grew out of the swarm, and Morrigan felt her stomach drop. The glowing red lights weren't lights at all. They were eyes, the eyes of men, the eyes of horses, and the eyes of hounds. Not individuals made of flesh, more like a single living shadow. They were darkness, a pure absence of light, and they moved with purpose. They were hunting. Morrigan couldn't breathe. Her chest heaved in and out as she tried to take in enough air to fill her lungs properly. What, what, what are they? Not now, said Jupiter. We have to run. But Morrigan's feet felt stuck to the floor. She couldn't turn away from the window. Jupiter grasped her shoulders and looked her straight in the eye. No fear, remember? He said, giving her a little shake. Save it for later. Jupiter led Morrigan away into the hall. She paused at the door. Wait, what about them? She said, looking back towards the crows. They were still gathered around the curtain on the floor, oblivious to the sound and sight of a hundred ghostly hunters barreling towards the house. We can't just leave. They'll be fine. The hunt can't touch them, I promise. Come on. But Jupiter pulled her onwards. It's you they're hunting, Morrigan. You want to help your family? You need to get out. To get yourself far, far away from this house. Then why are we going upstairs? <laughs> Jupiter didn't answer. Then, when they reached the third floor, he ran to the nearest window and flung it open. Sticking his head out. This will do. Ready? We're aiming for the skylight. Morrigan looked out the window at the strangest machine she'd ever seen. As state chan chancellor her father had been fetched from Cromana in all sorts of vehicles over the years Covis still favored his old-fashioned horse-drawn carriage for daily use but sometimes the winchester party would send expensive dark windowed coaches with rumbling mechanical engines and even us once a small polluted airship that needed a special permit to land on the roof neighbors had gathered to walk at it and take pictures, but Corvus had never, to her knowledge, travelled in a gleaming brass pod, standing on, standing two stories high, on eight spindly legs, like an enormous metallic spider. What would the neighbours think of this? Wondered Morrigan, her eyes like saucers. I didn't park close enough, said Jupiter. We'll have to push over a bit when we jump. Jump? Surely he didn't mean expect her to jump at the third story window. Jupiter climbed onto the sill and levered his body so that he was mostly out of the window, then held her hand to Morgan on the count of three, okay? No, she shook her head, backing away from the window. Not okay, the opposite of okay. 
Morgan, I admire your instinct for self-preservation. I really do. But think of this. Look over your shoulder. Your instinct might tell you to jump out that window. Morgan looked curiously close to the top of the staircase was a wolf-like hound with glowing red eyes. His teeth barred in a low snarl. His pack crept slowly up the last stair behind him. At least a dozen, maybe more. They jostled for position, snapping their ferocious jaws and growling as they stalked. Morgan frozen at the window. No, no fear, she whispered, and every cell in her body replied, yes, fear. On the count of three, Jupiter took Morgan's hand to guide her up to the ledge. One... The hound was joined on the landing by a second pack member, then a third, all with the same sharp yellow teeth and fiery eyes and the swirling smoky fur as black as pitch. Their growls vibrated all the way to Morrigan's toes. Two. She stepped backwards and scrambled for Jupiter's support as her foot touched nothing but air. He wrapped an arm, his arm around her chest and she felt him lean back, pulling her with him. The hounds launched themselves at Morrigan. Three! cold sharp air whipped around her ears as she fell there was an almighty shattering glass and they then they landed hard jupiter's arm wrapped tightly around morrigan his body cushioning her fall on the floor inside of the body was a giant of the giant brass spider above them the hounds disappeared from the windows ow moaned jupiter i regret that tomorrow off you get he rolled Morrigan onto the floor. She winced as a stray piece of glass embedded itself in the heel of her palm. Ouch. Where'd they go? Don't know, but they won't be gone for long. Hold on to something, said Jupiter. He ran to the control deck at the front of the vehicle and began pulling levers. The engine roared into life as, and the spider lurched forwards, pinching, pitching Morrigan face first into the wall. She felt nausea rising in her stomach. The first bit's always bumpy. The last bit... And the last bit. But don't worry, the middle bit's as smooth as silk. Sometimes depends, really. Morrigan stumbled into the cramped cockpit and held onto the back of an old leather chair where Jupiter sat at the controls. She picked the piece of glass out of her hand and threw it away, wiping the blood on her dress. What were they? The The hunt of smoke and shadow. Jupiter looked darkly over his shoulder as the spider lumbered away from the house. The hunt of... Morrigan clamped her hand over her mouth, trying not to bring up her dinner all over Jupiter's panel of shiny buttons and levers, or worse, the back of his head. She felt like she was in a small boat of choppy sea. What do they want with me? But Jupiter was distracted, trying to steer and change gears and stay upright at the same time. Strap yourself into the passenger seat, he said, jerking his head towards the battered-looking chair on his left. Morrigan pulled herself over to it with some difficulty and clicked the seatbelt onto place across her chest. Ready? I'll tie it. The spider climbed over the gates of Cromanor in great staggering strides. The woods loomed ahead, but Jupiter steered in another direction, looming the cent- towards the centre of Jackalfax. On the smooth road, the movements of the mechanical spider evened out as it picked up downhill speed. Jackalfax was awash with lights and noise of the early fireworks show and a crowd had gathered to see the night ablaze with colour. Morrigan had never seen Emperor Road so full of people. The eight-legged machines scurried through the town centre, skirting the edges of the crowd. Jupiter couldn't have timed it more perfectly. The spectacle in the sky was a brilliant cover for their escape from the hunt of smoke and shadow. 
Everyone was looking up, their ears filled with whistles and bangs. Shouldn't we be heading out of town, not into it? asked Morrigan. We're taking a shortcut, answered Jupiter. He was steering them straight towards the town hall. The vehicle stood to full height with grinding of metal joints and stepped delicately through the crowd, looking for looking for all the world as if it was walking on tippy toes. What is this thing? Morrigan asked. The spider thing. This spider thing, as you incidentally baptised it, said Jupiter, giving her a pointed look, is called an arachnid pod, and it is the most exquisite machine ever built. A particularly loud firecracker shuddered into the sky, leaving a trail of flower-shaped smoke in its wake. The ghost of an explosion. The crowd made noises of delight. Beautiful, isn't she? Her name's Octavia. Only one of two arachnopods ever built. I knew the inventor. Pull that blue lever for me, will you? No, the other one. That's it. The arachnopod jutted to a halt. Jupiter frowned. He stood up and ran to the back of the pod, looking anxiously out of the domed glass wall. Is something wrong? Interesting machines like this are out of fashion now, of course. Mum, can you be quiet for a second, please? Thanks. Sorry, guys. He continued as if nothing had happened. <laughs> but I'll never let go of old Oki. She's too reliable. Hover ships and automobiles, they're all very modern and flashy. But like I always say, you can't roll over a mountain. And you can't hover underwater. Octavia can go almost anywhere, which is useful in moments like this. We appear to be rather cornered. He returned to the control desk, reached up to the ceiling and pulled down a screen with four split images. Each showed a different view from the arachnopod. The hunt of smoke and shadow had caught up with them. They were surrounded on all sides by huntsmen on horseback and their slaving, slavering hounds. Now, is any of that helpful in moments like this? How is any of that helpful in moments like this? Morrigan's heart raced. This is it, she thought. We're trapped. This is the end. I don't see any mountains or water. No mountains, no, mused Jupiter. But there is that. She followed his gaze at the top of the clock tower. The really excellent thing about spiders, he said, strapping himself into the driver's seat, is that they always crawl. Is the way they crawl, sorry. Fasten your seat, Morrigan Crow, and whatever you do, don't close your eyes. What happens if I close my eyes? You miss the fun. Morrigan had barely managed to check her seat, but when the arachnopod suddenly reared back, throwing her against the chair, two great spindly mechanical legs latched onto the ears, eaves of the town's hall, and the pod heaved itself upwards, lurching higher and higher towards the black, fathomless facade of the skyface clock. It's not ideal, but it has, but it, but as an improvised energy emergency gateway, it's not my worst idea ever. She had no idea what he was talking about. Gateway? To where? You'll see. Morrigan looked back through the glass dome. The ground swarmed metres below, and worse than that, the huge black smoke hunters had dismounted and were climbing the tower. They're behind us, cried Morrigan. Jupiter grimaced, but didn't look back. Not for long. The heart can't follow where we're going. Where are we going? They arrived at the top of the tower as the fireworks display reached its dramatic climax. Explosions of red and gold and blue and purple lighting up the night sky. They're going home, Morgan Crow. The arachnopod put one spindly right. Put, the arachnopod put one spindly leg right through the clock. The glass didn't break. Didn't even crack. Another leg went through. 
gently rippling the clock face, like a pebble on the surface of a deep black lake. Morrigan stared open mouth. One more impossible thing in the night of impossible things. She turned back. The huntsmen were close, so close their breath could have fogged up Octavia's glass dome. They reached out their skeletal arms as if to grab Morrigan through the black window. She pulled her down and pulled her downward to her death. She wanted to squeeze her eyes shut, but she couldn't look away. With one final heave, the arachnopod pinched forward and tumbled through the clock face, spinning over and over, throwing Morrigan into the unknown. Into the unknown, sorry. <laughs> the sound of exploding firecrackers disappeared. The world had gone silent. That's the end of the chapter, guys. The next chapter is called Welcome to Nevermore, Spring of One. So if you want that, let me know because no one actually follows me. So this is just for myself. But anyway, yeah. Bye, guys.